As we continue Escalator coverage of local electoral campaigns, we have an opportunity to look at this year's roster of the Irvine City Council candidates. We have a range of experienced, some uh, newcomers, along with some very familiar individuals. With us today, for the full hour, we'll split up, they'll speak individually, are Irvine City Council candidates Melissa Fox and Evan Chemers. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ask a Leader here on KUCI. My first guest is Irvine City Community Services Commissioner Melissa Fox. She is a graduate of Brandeis University and the Tulane University School of Law. Melissa is a member of the Bars of the State of California and the United States Tax Court. Melissa is affiliated with the Orange County Bar Association, the Orange County Bar Association Business Litigation Section and Trust, and a state section, the Orange County Trial Lawyers Association, the Orange County Women's Lawyers Association, Lawyers Club of San Diego, and Women in Leadership. There are a number of other civic uh, uh, affiliations, and I'll let her bring them up as uh, they are a frame of reference for her um, local activism. She uh, ran, as you might recall, on your ballots. She ran for the state assembly in 2010. She has served as Beth Crom's community service commissioner since... Uh, Larry Agron's community Larry, services I'm sorry, commissioner. I'm, Larry Agron's commissioner since... About a year and a half it's now. It's been a year and a half. Yeah. She hails from the North Park Square community along with her husband, Michael Fox, and their son, Max. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Melissa. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Claudia. Well, you are a bright spot, as Evan will be in the second half, uh, to lead folks through the part down the ballot where we want them all to participate. There's the governor, there's the propositions, but we want everybody to go all the way down and know their candidates and know that they're, it's, it's just, it's, it's required attendance down at the bottom of that where the municipal election um, candidates are. Well, I would like to... For, for folks to gauge from our, let's say, the campus area constituency, how they may be benefiting from your leadership, your priorities and all that, would you talk about your vision uh, and what priorities, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down in uh, terms of some line items that were uh, under uh, attack, I will say, for lack of a better uh, phrase, uh, with the... Um, the, the line item budgets in the very beginning of this so-called leg city legislative session. Uh, tell us uh, what you envision for the Irvine or the UCI community area. And we'll get at the end. We're going to bounce this office where where you're going to be actively getting out the vote. Where, how you're going to reach out to constituencies. But what is it that the KUCI or the UCI community uh, has in store for your leadership, your priorities? Well, sure. I mean, I. This is an election that poses some very, very real differences in candidates, and, and nowhere is that exemplified better than at UC Irvine. For example, the University Town Center, there's been a lot of changes, and uh, there was an approval for a new fast food restaurant that took away 50 parking spaces. I think it's actually 48, but you know, around 50 parking spaces. And that's had real impact on the community because now that farmer's market, that's been so wonderful and so vibrant for, oh gosh, I've been going to it for more than 15 years. 
uh, now it has to go somewhere else because of congestion and overcrowding. To me, that is not a sufficient focus on the small businesses and the residents of Irvine. And that really kind of puts into perspective the different issues in this whole campaign. When Mary Ann Guido was on last week and she talked about the there, there was a special permit that allowed that conversion from business to drive-in business. And I, I know there's externalities that uh, not only of the traffic flow, but there's, uh, I mean, the ambient air quality changes if we've got three to four different, four up to four, I think, drive-ins there. So as a city hall, a city council member, how would you have negotiated those terms because the the city had the purview of deciding what Chick-fil-A was going to get. Right and I think the most important thing was looking at uh, the reasons why the variance was sought. They were looking at taking out the parking spaces and we've already had um, you know now if you know if you're familiar with the center over the years. Listeners are. Sure. Some businesses have had trouble there, uh, especially the smaller ones. We've now, Steelhead went away, and now we've got this new wonderful uh, Eureka. We're looking forward to keeping them there. But they have to have sufficient parking. They have to have sufficient access. And and in an already impacted center, to remove 50 parking spaces, I think, was just an unwise decision. And the need for another fast food outlet, maybe that certainly if that was a necessary um, a necessary business, the question would have been, but why a drive-through? Because it's so impacted already, and the idling cars right there along campus is, is just another addition to um, our traffic congestion and, as you said, ambient air quality. This is something that we really shouldn't have permitted because it, it's not an appropriate use of that spot. So the negotiation is a dance. It's the first with the Planning Commission and then the City Council. The City Council member can... Uh, indicate or importune their appointee on the the planning commission what what latitude would you have exercised in uh, finalizing that permit or or uh, walking away not not granting it right and you know commissioner's job is to advise the council and the ultimate decision resides with the council and so while we certainly can't tell property owners dictate every kind of business that goes into a center, we can avoid concessions that are harmful to the residents. So the reason why you needed to, they needed to obtain a variance was because it was against the the plan in place. So you talk about a negotiation, but really the the power resides in the council to determine the land use within the city. And what we've been seeing has been uh, a lot of variances or amendments to the general plan, which have increased traffic capa- uh, congest- excuse me, traffic use, not capacity, and has increased residential use and not capacity. So these are the things that we really have to uh, spend much more time standing firm on and advocating for residents and small businesses. My question I hadn't, I didn't uh, get, uh, have a chance to ask. I was, it was a lot of traffic on, in the show last week, but I'm, I'm a little puzzled. It seems like a paradox that if the catchment area, the the the, the business supporting a, a a restaurant like Chick Fil A, if it's lo- hyper local, I don't know why we're driving from one parking lot across the street in, and driving through and then 
I don't know where they're going to go after that, but it just seems like it's such a local business. And to put the car in that, are we are we going in the wrong direction with the incentive to deal with a, a more local uh, on-foot, on-bike sort of traffic? And so what are we saying when we're, we're availing people of more ways to, to, to uh, diesel up? <laughs> to well, get y- you really spotted an issue throughout the city. We are a leader in infrastructure for bike transportation and walking transport you know active transportation which includes walking and biking the problem that we have is that there are some real hot spots where there's dangerous intersections and so we haven't really done the complete picture for complete streets these are easy infrastructure fixes that we can take up and we just have to be committed to do it and particularly around a university and around IVC we have to make sure that the flow of traffic involves foot traffic and bicycle traffic so that when you are in a car it's more convenient it's not congested you can get a parking spot so that we can look at all all modes of transportation and you see this very much reflected in the university area but it's really problematic throughout the city. All right, modes to nodes then. How um, are you envisioning accommodating UCI community constituents to get from the campus area to those commercial nodes that are more than a walk away? What is your vision for accommodating those needs, Melissa Fox? Well, the the first thing we we have to do is uh, free up the flow of traffic. I know it was very difficult getting here this morning. Ah, I noticed I I had to drop somebody off at a rental car agency guest and get get back here. I thought, oh, I I didn't know it was this bad. I I saw it. Right. And, And that is, unfortunately, what many residents are feeling as well when they're differing from their route is, you know, I knew my area was bad, but I didn't know it was so bad everywhere else as well. It really is. So we have to work on the flow of traffic itself because every time a pedestrian presses the button, it's, you know, a 30 second reset on the light. You know, there's been a lot of talk about sinking the lights. Right. Well, the problem that we have is much like too much um, traffic flow, these Uh, On the main arteries, the tributaries, the side roads are also overflowing and it's just resulting in, you know, near gridlock in many intersections. So, you know, dealing with that infrastructure issue will do a lot to assist in the other modes of transportation, active transportation and, and cycling. However, there are, uh, I know from personal experience, the San Diego Creek Trail intersection with campus can be problematic. Mm -hmm. And yes. Right turn lanes are scary. And we have terrific engineers on staff here at um, the city of Irvine, and we've already undertaken an active transportation survey. We've pinpointed hot spots. What we need is really a commitment to fixing it. I know it's a loaded one, but let's see if in short order we can address that after I first want to remind those of you who've just joined us, you're listening to my first guest, Irvine City Council candidate Melissa Fox. She's running, uh, we have an opportunity to vote for one mayor and we have two city council slots uh, to vote on uh, down at the bottom of your ballot here on not the ballot isn't on, but the radio waves are here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming on the web at intersections and in transit depots around the world at KUCI.org. And I want to seg away from the uh, campus, uh, the externalities of nearby 
flow of traffic, uh, the development uh, feeding into the flow of traffic around here to just quickly in and out. I know it's unfair, but I, I want it addressed in some short order. So we said we did it and it gives people something more to think about as they're looking at their ballots is the externalities of the November uh voted upon development order for five point communities those 10,000 units to your best knowledge what consideration was given to the infrastructure that was supporting that will support that development in a short sort of answer you're, you're not responsible for the whole essay right well for the what quick you want people to take away quick answer is not enough I mean, and we, we're seeing that already in the northern sphere, a tremendous impact on, the, uh, on our roads. And in particular, I'm critical of the removal of commercial centers and uh, in replacing them with additional residences because that, too, is causing traffic and overcrowding at schools because it just hadn't been planned for. It's lengthening a trip. Exactly. Lengthening trips adds to traffic. Exactly. Transportation 101. Lori Zeitlin, if you're listening, I hope you are. <laughs> You've got it. And so I'm critical of that. Uh, and the problem that I had in particular, well, there's many problems, but you know, essentially looking at the contract that was between the city and Five Point, um, it was so complicated and really didn't deal with enough of the resident-related issues. It just dealt with, you know, the, the amenities at the park, as far as I could see. And that it wasn't particularly clear on that point either. But again, I wasn't a member of the council at the time. And even though it was a 300-page document, um, and I, I got through most of it, we weren't able to really negotiate. And that was the biggest problem. The city didn't have time to negotiate, and it didn't put enough on the table and demand enough from its partners, this big developer. So I just want to interject when we're talking about the time frame for negotiation, I, I want for voters to consider that as an aspect of vision is if you are a policy, a, a, a policy maker, an office holder, you set the terms for the time frame in which you will consider legislation. That is a part of your negotiation leverage. And so I want you to Think about that, voters, while we're listening to all the candidates as they talk about how the, uh, what's the, the proper role in that. Yes, Melissa right, Fox? Well, and rather than looking backward, I think we, we are where we are today, and we have to have a vision about where we're going to go. So the first thing that we need to do is stop this frantic pace that we're you know running down that road we need to take stock of where we're at clearly we've seen tremendous impact on our infrastructure and we need 45 90 days just to figure out how we can backfill how we can build our infrastructure so that we're not busing kids from one campus to another because their school isn't ready yet um, these are the kinds of things that we need to take our time on and plan now um, one the a couple of things here. Um, the beginning of this legislative session, there were four line items. I want to zero in on the Barclay because it's a very local uh, amenity and a feature. The Barclay appropriation before the city council for $400,000. I would like for you to address the extent to which you understand that investment of city treasury what is the dividend of that investment on a year-to-year -year basis, but in that this last year that it was considered? It, did, it was approved eventually in a three-to-two vote, but it was put on the agenda for consideration of discontinuing. So what is your understanding of how that line item performs locally and in this portion of the city and how it performs with the, the city's coffers? 
Sure. And that's another great question because a lot of people don't even know that the Irvine Barclay is a city theater. And it's on UCI land. So it's a terrific public-private partnership with the city. And it's really a jewel. And um, so the budget of the Barclay and cutting half a million dollars of funding certainly would have impacted the professional performances. But even more so is the regional and city uses. So we have tremendous uh, focus or a tremendous talent here in our own community. And we have the Southeast Asia Dance Ensemble. We have the Chinese Women's Federation Orchestra that came here. And it is an outlet for our own residents um, and many of the small businesses to use this theater in conjunction with uh, the university. And uh, in addition, the quality of the performances uh, are really up there with the top, uh, certainly that we get in California, but certainly nationally, some of the most amazing dance pieces and theater. And it is a, an educational and an artistic experience that is unrivaled really in Southern California. Oh, maybe the South Coast rep is in competition. Well, what does the city get back fiscally for an outlay of $400,000 to your best um, understanding? Well, we get the opportunity to have our regional groups use the facility, which is something that is really makes our city so it puts it on another level I and mean, it really has the opportunity to use it for music for dance for productions and when we have traveling groups they have a place to go and as a matter and economically it drives a lot of regional traffic down to our city so that we have people shopping in our stores going to our restaurants it is a tourism destination and we know that tourism is a very very healthy part of the economy it brings in cash from outside the city it supports our businesses and it's just part of a healthy city overall so, Melissa Fox, you've been serving now for about a year and a half on the Community Service Commission. And so what in that service prepares you for being on, serving on the city council? Well, I've lived in Irvine 11 years, and I've been an attorney for 20 years. So I had come with a certain set of skills and understanding with the community. But sitting on the Community Services Commission, is, I, I, kind of, I explain it as, similar to driving, uh, flying over your neighborhood in a small plane. It looks really different. You get in a completely different perspective. Being able to go through the budget line by line by line and seeing where the city's uh, finances are spent, where the revenues come from, and what we do for our community from a balance sheet type view has been very, very helpful. Um, and additionally, seeing where I think we might need to throw some more support and where we might need some changes. That's a, been a, an easier picture to get from the Community Services Commission. In addition, getting to meet so many terrific people who are involved in the city, volunteers, and of course, our wonderful city employees. Okay, for those of you who've just joined us, my guest is City Council candidate, Melissa Fox, here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We'll have a, another council candidate, Evan Chemers, in, uh, in the second half of this program. Well, we've talked about infrastructure and priorities and visions. Why don't you take out a little time? Well, uh, one, one other line item. 
is the Measure M $3 million. It was returned to the county treasury. What would you do? There's a two-parter here. I'm really going to really squeeze it out of you, Melissa Foxes. What would you do to uh, reverse that if you're dealing with an alliance system that is not necessarily behind using uh, utilizing that $3 million opportunity, what would you do with it now in terms of servicing when we're talking about these modes of transit and addressing transportation flow? Well, there's no question that we need, again, to rebuild or, or and s- supplement the infrastructure we already have. And the iShuttle was what you're talking about. Um, is an integral part of our transportation system. However, it really needs additional routes in order to be more serviceable to residents. In particular, this $3.5 million that was returned to the Orange County Transit Association is really broke my heart because this money was going to be used for a route that connected the Spectrum and uh, Jamboree and UC Irvine so that it could be used on a Friday night, a Saturday night, if you didn't want to drive and maybe wanted to go have a drink and go out and uh, enjoy the entertainment that Irvine has to offer. Well, some don't have cars. It's not even don't care to, can't. Right, sure. I just want to, I want for you, for for you folks. (laughs) Yes, and it's a very important piece of infrastructure. And this was money that was specifically earmarked for transportation infrastructure. And it's not like it just went to other people. It went to other cities that had more use, you know, that were more grateful for it. For us, it was really broke my heart. It is a very important. It's a very big need we have in the city. And uh, I would be interested in serving on the Orange County Transit Authority were, right. I, were I to win. Council and members have that. It's one p- per city. Yeah, and I would, and I would lobby for that position because I'm very critical of two votes that were taken, and in addition to the 3.5, also the the vote in favor of the toll lanes was also, I think, a a bad move that I would never have done. Okay, so we have an opportunity to hear city council candidates on Thursday at the Crystal Cove Auditorium. They are, I believe it's exclusively, and I will give folks a bit more information about that. But Melissa Fox, had you planned on going Thursday from the 12 to 1.30 forum for candidates? Yes, I look forward to the opportunity to address these questions and any others. So I'm going to, uh, this is an open end, uh, and I'll give you a moment to think about it, um, talk over that way, I can give some details. Just think about what it is you hope you're asked. And uh, if you are given a chance to engage other candidates, what you'd like to ask of them. So uh, while Melissa considers that, I just wanted to say, folks, you really need to put on your calendar on Thursday. You'll have an opportunity, as I said, to hear, to see. Because seeing says a lot, too. I've found in my many years of candidate forums that all the Irvine City candidates, this is at the Crystal Cove Auditorium from 12 to 1.30. It's presented by UCI's 60 by 16 crew that can be followed on a Twitter at uh, hashtag UCI 16BY, excuse me, UCI 
6-0 by 1-6. And it's presented by Parshan Khosravi Kermani. He's the organizing director at the Office of the Executive Vice President at the Associated Student Bodies of UC Irvine. Along with UCI, yada yada, Associated Students of UCI, the, organ, uh, the Office of the Executive Vice President. So, Melissa, what would you do with, what do you want to be sure you're asked, and what would you like to be able to swivel in your, at your podium in your, your panel chair and ask your, uh, your opponents or uh, maybe people that you're running along with? Well, there's been so much invested in this race already, um, in mailers and... uh, No kidding. Yeah, no kidding. I refer to them as the pesky mailers. (laughs) Well, certainly, and there's been broad principles discussed. But I think we need to have specific plans rather than... And these need to be addressed by the candidates. Specific actions. What are you going to do? So instead of just saying, I support these big principles, specifically, what are the candidates, and I would like to be asked this question too, what are the candidates going to do to preserve the community feel and the village concept of Irvine rather than just throwing up more homes and pushing commercial centers out to the outskirts? What is the specific plan? What's the specific plan to invest in infrastructure to uh, dampen this traffic and to deal with the vision for our future? And what is the specific plan to deal with this superheated pace of development? So uh, beside that forum, are you going to be taking your campaign to UCI? Or maybe you've already been there. And uh, let's find out about your campaign, and then we'll find out how people can follow your campaign with or without your appearance on campus. Well... I've had a couple of meet and greets in the University Hills area, which have just been wonderful. We had our big uh, fundraiser at University Club here, and and I'm always near or around the campus because it is a very important part of Irvine and a beating heart of Irvine, and it has so many terrific people here. We don't have anything on the agenda, although I'd be happy to be invited to uh, some more of those cocktail hours that I've enjoyed so much. Well, what about on the campus? Are you going right. to be, is your campaign going to the residents of the, not the, uh, their faculty administrators, but are you going to be, is, is there a way that you want to yes. reach out to the, the students around there where they reside? or Right, and we're, going to, we're going to be um, doing some literature drops and talking with students, and we've asked, we've asked everyone to come out, please, and meet us at the forum. That's going to be uh, coming up here and a uh, little lunch hour on Thursday. Are you going to stay around afterward? Or? Of course. So you'll be there for a while. So people yeah. will be able to ask, oh, well, you've blocked out some time on your busy campaign calendar. Yeah, and if for any reason they're not available, we also have a forum coming up at the Chinese School on uh, Saturday the 18th. Is that at UCI, at Uni High School? No, that's going to be at the Irvine Chinese School, uh, South Coast Chinese Cultural Association off of Roosevelt. Okay, because maybe that's moved. That used to be that the Chinese School was at Uni. Right. That's where they moved to. So they go ahead, give us the address again on Roosevelt. Oh, I, you know, I'm sorry I don't have Okay, it's on your campaign website? It sure is. And we'll have flyers. We'll be able to give you the, uh, I'll email you all that information for announcements. And we're also going to be having another candidate forum at the Irvine um, Islamic Center also across the street from the Chinese school off of Roosevelt. And that's going to be October 29th. Happy to give you that information as well. So we're going to be out in the public quite a lot over the next couple of weeks. For those listening now or checking in the podcast, uh, where would people find those details? Is there a website to follow your campaign? You'll be posting sure. that there? Well, all of this is announced on my website at votemelissafox.com. I'm also, if you want to check out my positions, um, I, I have a blog I've done for the past couple of years, melissafoxblog.com. 
com. So there's a lot of information out there. And of course, be happy to invite all your listeners, Claudia, to any of these forums. Come check us out. Okay. You know, and really, if you want to learn about the race, some this is what I'm encouraging people to do to break through some of this negative messaging. Just observe the council meetings. They're all available online. on, So you can do it in your own, on your computer, on your home television, at ICTV. Just watch what happens. Well, I want, I'm glad you mentioned ICTV. I really want to emphasize how important it is that everyone take a moment Take a night on Tuesday nights. There will be tonight's another commission meeting. I'm sorry, I'm in a council meeting. I meant that. And that way you can learn a great deal by how council members not only vote, but the conduct. That's that says legions about what are what's driving them, motivations and priorities and that kind of a thing. So the ICTV is not only on cable, but I'm not sure if, if the, on their website that you're able to pull up uh, segments oh, yes. of that. And so if you can attend, then going to the city council gives you a chance to speak at either at the public comment period in the beginning of the session or uh, on uh, after each of the agenda items are being considered by the council. So the required viewing folks is the ICTV because if you've never seen your mayor, you need to see your mayor, and as well as the, the council members. So I want to thank Melissa Fox, Irvine City Council candidate, for coming on to ask a leader this morning. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll post all of that information on the podcast summary so that people have a chance to uh, follow you. So um, thank you very much for being on the show, Melissa. Thank you, Claudia. Always fun. Well, it's, it's not only fun, it's edifying. I want to um, let everybody know we'll be right back on Radio KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're going to dial up Evan Chemmers. Uh, I was so pleased to have uh, Melissa Fox in studio with me. Evan will be on the phone shortly after this station break. Thank you all for listening. That, ladies and gentlemen, was our vaunted Aaron Copeland theme by, uh, conducted by Lenny Bernstein, theme for a common man, which is what I think of in the voting process, the common man stepping up and expressing those all-important political preferences. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. My next guest is Irvine City Council candidate Evan Chemmers. Raised in Orange County, Evan Chemmers earned his business degree from Cal State University of Fullerton. He founded an internet-based packaging company, and he's served as the elected board president of the Irvine Quail Hill Village and elected board member for the Turtle Ridge there. He resides there with his pup, and he first ran for city council two years ago. That's in 2012. He joins us over the dialing here. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Evan Chemmers. Good morning, Claudia, and good morning, UCI. Oh, yeah. Well, UCI and uh, everywhere you, you have friends and associates around the world. I hope if they have that capacity to stream us today. Good morning to everyone around the world uh, as well. <laughs> <laughs> nice touch, nice touch. Well, you heard perhaps a little bit of the previous interview, and we want to treat you similarly because uh, our voters need this basis of comparison. I'd like for us to be able to, to gauge... Uh, what uh, what you're all uh, made of and all. I would like for you, Evan Chemmers, to address 
what you see in terms of this, mostly we'll talk about the, the uber local, the UCI community, what your priorities are, what's your vision as a city council member in terms of decisions that are made, what you negotiate, what priorities you put on, what goes in the ground, what exactions you would want with uh, special permits, that, uh, like what Melissa Fox brought up with uh, yet another drive-in. What would you have in mind to uh, take into consideration the UCI community? as you, you being on the city council. Okay, well, uh, there's several issues my campaign is running on, and uh, some do affect uh, the UCI area. Uh, specifically, my campaign's about slowing down a lot of high-density developments uh, throughout the city, uh, helping small businesses, and also uh, being a fiscal steward of the city's uh, tax dollars. And uh, so some of the things I'd like to do that may uh, benefit specifically UCI is uh, the small businesses that are around the area there. And I'm the only candidate who has publicly pledged to knock on 10,000 doors by Election Day. And I've been to around uh, 8,400, 8,500 as of today. And a lot of the concern is about the small businesses that are leaving and they're being replaced with either franchises or uh, the spaces are being vacant. And so what I'm proposing to help our local economy, and uh, this would affect UCI as well, is I want to possibly give a tax incentive to small businesses throughout the community to help stimulate our local economy. Now, Irvine's going to be receiving around $290-plus over the next 12 years from California in the form of redevelopment rebates. And so I'd like to get together a committee comprised of uh, perhaps the Irvine Chamber of Commerce and other local business leaders to find out what best way we can uh, distribute some of those funds to these local businesses to further stimulate our economy, which would make sense for our city and the businesses. So... Uh, you know, that's one of the ways I'd like to help our local area. Let me follow and up that um, before you go into another item. So how would that affect the way in which it's legendary, how the Irvine company negotiates terms that actually result in so many of the office retail space being vacant until while the Irvine company holds out for a, uh, a strenuously uh, uh, strenuously termed uh, a lease agreement. How would that redevelopment money for small business change the formula with which the Irvine company negotiates contracts with lessees? Well, that would be something that would have to be worked out uh, at a later time. Now, uh, I want you and the listeners to understand a lot of this is free market, and whether it's the Irvine company or some other uh, business, they can say what price they want to charge. And I don't think the city should get involved in saying, hey, we want to put price controls on this. Uh, that's not what my campaign's about. But I do believe there's a happy median where uh, these landlords can still make a decent profit and these businesses can stay. So that's something that I want to work out by creating this business committee where it benefits both sides. Uh, but And as it stands right now, that's not how it is, because uh, it's pretty much one-sided. And uh, 
And this is one of the major concerns from a lot of Irvine residents. Well, but Evan, the one side is it because there's not landlords, there's landlord. Is that part of it? <laughs> uh, yes, that's what I've heard. And uh, yes, it's a fact that the Irvine company is the largest private landowner in Irvine. And uh, they do control a lot of the uh, uh, business terms for these companies. But, uh, again, that's something that needs to be worked out through a private partner uh, relationship. Uh, and that's something that I want to get started. I don't believe right now the current council is even addressing this because a lot of uh, Irvine residents are frustrated, they're upset, including myself. And that's actually one of the reasons why I'm running. And uh, Melissa Fox, previous to this interview, was talking about the Woodbridge Village. That That is uh, something that... It's not just the only beneficiary is not, excuse me, I'll walk this back. The, the Woodbridge surrounding neighborhoods are not the only beneficiaries of that commercial node. And our immediate residents around the UCI campus are mindful of the possibility of the conversion of that retail commercial space into strictly residential. So is that something and a part of your negotiation um, package here with the small businesses to uh, how how would you are you going to be addressing it? What are you saying to residents when you're knocking on those next uh, 1500 uh, doors? Well, what I'm saying is what I really believe in is I do not want to see uh, that shopping center taken down. Now, keep in mind, uh, that's just one of the development concepts right now that's being proposed by uh, the Irvine Company. And uh, that's not something I'm in favor of uh, for several reasons. It brings an excess amount of traffic on that narrow two-lane road, which is Barranca. Secondly, uh, there's a water issue. Where's the water coming from to support all these extra units? And uh, thirdly, uh, it, it just, the infrastructure is not set up for it. So uh, that's something I'm not in favor of is tearing it down. I want to keep it there and revitalize the shopping center. And, yeah, that would be something where I'd want to get together with an uh, economic committee and determine what's the best way to revitalize that shopping center, keep these businesses there, and uh, yeah, that's, Again, one of the premises of my campaign is to keep these local businesses here. So whether it's the Woodbridge Shopping Center or it's a development proposal that was planned over in Quail Hill, which I was the president of, uh, where a developer wanted to develop some land and uh, build some units, uh, which would have created thousands of vehicle trips throughout Quail Hill uh, late last year, which I opposed and it wasn't built. Now, I don't, I'm not going to take credit for it not being built. Uh, I probably didn't have too much to do with that. But uh, I do have experience working with developers. And I do want your listeners to know that uh, I do know uh, some good people over at the Irvine Company. They're very uh, much concerned about what goes on in our community. And uh, I hold them in high regard. And uh, it's just a matter of developing some type of partnership with them and other developers to see that our businesses stay here. I'm and I think they want what's right for the uh, community as well, even though it may not seem that way to, uh, you know, when one of our favorite restaurants closes. It's a, well, I'm going to weigh in with my neighbors, and it's my own kind of self-interest as well, as it's not 
a matter of one business, but it's a matter of seasonal turnovers of what we thought, hey, that was an institution, that business. We, there's no, the, the, the uh, young, uh, young readers bookstore, gone. That was there, that's been there for at least 20 years. That's gone. The, all the sit-down places for, for di- fine enough dining, gone. And we thought they were institutions and sort of, it wasn't enough. So it's, uh, it, I, I just want to move the singular into the plural when we're talking about the impacts there. Well, well for yeah, the- you know, I went to, you know, Waters Restaurant is gone. I went there for prom many years ago. <laughs> oh, and that's no, gone Evan, too. I'm so sorry. Oh, my God, that must be traumatic. <laughs> okay, well, see, that that's why we do community radio, so that this kind of element can weigh in, because it, it won't show up anywhere on NPR. So, uh, I hope not, anyway. So, for those of you who've just tuned in, you're listening to Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and streaming on the web at park benches all over the world at KUCI.org. My guest for this latter half is City Irvine City Council candidate Evan Chemmers. And I want to go to a couple of line items that were on the very beginning of this legislative session with the council as a gauge among all the candidates who will be on the show to talk about, in particular, the line item for the Barclay Theater, a $400,000 appropriation. It's a year-to-year appropriation. It was on the chopping block for being uh, eliminated, that is. You don't chop it in, I guess. You chop it out. So I wanted, Evan Chemers, for you to show your priorities for what an amenity, fiscally, culturally, what does that mean, that line item, to you in servicing Irvine? Well, the Barclay Theater has become a institution uh, that serves the city well. And I'm not, and I don't have any plans to take any funding away from the Barclay Theater. Uh, in my mind, uh, it provides uh, an economic uh, tax base for our city. Uh, it has a money multiplier with all these performances, and it's good for our local economy. And uh, the Barclay Theater is something that I see as a benefit to Irvine. So uh, that would be something I would not take any funding away from, especially now. I mean, we have. We're operating at a surplus, and that's not where I would consider saving money. Uh, if anything, I'd like to see more funding go towards it. Well, I, when I spoke with Mayor Choi last week, we had a back and forth, and I think we had an agreement on that about what the fiscal impacts were. $400,000 out of the Treasury. What do you think comes back to the Treasury? A, um, a, a deficit or a, a surplus? Well, uh, that's very hard to quantify uh, without seeing any type of economic impact uh, reports. But uh, if, it, if it's a wash, it's still a benefit. Uh, but uh, I, I can't honestly answer that question because I don't know. Okay. Well, it's, it's, it's available. We, um, there, there, are, there, there are gauges of that, and I, I want everybody to have a chance to address that as um, what benefits those kinds of things yield, because it, it was almost eliminated, and there, it, it would have been a considerable uh, a loss. And, Claudia, I want, yes, I want you to know, if I don't, if I don't know something, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not afraid to say I don't know. Well, I, I heard that refreshing contribution, so I, I believe anybody else listening heard that as well. So uh, I wanted to move on then. Uh, 
Melissa Fox talked about some of her commission work, um, service commission work for the city. Would you tell us about your uh, board uh, membership, your uh, your uh, executive position on the Quail, Irvine Quail Hill Village and the Turtle Ridge um, boards, uh, where that and your business uh, experience assist you in the multifaceted roles of reconciling many differences on the chessboard of city council uh, uh, business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I've been on those boards for just over four years, starting in 2010. And uh, these are big areas of Irvine, Quail Hill, and Turtle Ridge. They operate with multi-million dollar budgets. Uh, the setup is similar to city council where you have five people boards, and you're dealing with all faucets of uh, local it's a quasi government so i was dealing with uh different type of personalities uh people want different things uh eventually uh we came together and did what was best for the community which is what i'm going to do on city council uh in my time in quail hill uh we lowered hoa assessments three times in three years we doubled our hoa reserve from four million to eight million now, these two things are unheard of. They don't happen. Uh, assessments usually go up. They don't go down. And I was able to install a uh, vendor matrix system where we uh, held vendors accountable for the work that they did. We tracked their progress. Uh, we made sure uh, what they say they were going to do, they did. And that's something that I'd like to bring to the city, especially over to the Great Park, and uh, make sure these vendors do exactly what they say they're going to do. So uh, it was a very rewarding experience, my time on both of those boards, and I was happy to serve. Well, I know that um, when we think of city politics, we're probably dealing with a more heterogeneous matrix of concerns and factors and that kind of a thing. So uh, I, I, uh, we can keep that in mind when we're talking about um, transferability there. Um, I wanted to then, uh, as we're, we're going to try to shoehorn as much as we can, we talked a little bit about the $3 million Measure M funds that were returned to the county treasury. I know you have on your website, and I want you to be given a chance to mention how people can follow your campaign, which what the website they all are, but what uh, was your position with how that $3 million was going to be uh, uh, used or not used. Okay. Well, from my understanding is that those funds are going to be used to expand iShuttle routes. So my position on the iShuttle is, as I've mentioned, I've been around 84, 8,500 homes. And every time I bring the iShuttle up, uh, around 9 out of 10 people say, what is the iShuttle? And, and where well, are I, what you? I say is, where I'm are sorry? you? When you bring it up, I'm sorry, Evan. Uh, when you're bringing it up, uh, what part of the city are you? Uh, it doesn't seem to matter what part of the city I am. Uh -huh. I've been from all over, all over. And uh, yeah, nine out of ten say they don't know what it is. And I say, well, uh, that's one of the reasons why I want to get rid of the ice shuttle. And here's here's the main reason: the OCTA shuttle buses already service all a lot of those routes. So it's sort of a redundant system. In addition, it is costing the city and the OCTA $120 million over 30 years. So I don't really see a benefit towards the I-Shuttle. 
specifically because it also, when you, when you see the ice shuttle moving by on the streets, they're generally empty. Uh, so that's one of the things I would like to greatly downsize or even phase out. Now, those, that $3 million fund that was returned to the OCTA, that kind of perplexes me because those funds could have been used for other infrastructure improvements. For instance, I'm the only candidate who has a traffic management program. I want to synchronize all of our 338 traffic light intersections. Uh, those funds could have gone towards that. Uh, I, I, I just don't understand what this council was thinking by returning the funds. I understand they didn't want to expand the ice shuttle, but we could have used it for something else. Well, I don't think it was a monolithic decision. I think it was that um, was a decision made with the what it, uh, with the majority, but not necessarily across the board. So that was a concern. Now, uh, Melissa Fox raised an interesting point about the. Uh, when a decision is made in favor of synchronizing lights, then the other modes of transit, what are you considering about incentivizing uh, lower carbon uh, uh, kinds of footprint uh, choices in getting around town? Okay, well, as I mentioned, the OCTA has a shuttle bus that services uh, a lot of routes throughout the city. So uh, I feel people can use that uh, mainly, but Realistically, Irvine is not a city where people, for the most part, ride their bikes everywhere. They take a vehicle. And I think putting money into upgrading our traffic light system is going to be the most appropriate use of funds uh, over the long term. So, again, if, if people want to go on a, and uh, save their carbon footprint, I say take the OCTA shuttle bus. Now, Evan, on off-mic... You got my undivided attention. Nobody knows where you and I are going to go with this. You race uh, some kind of collaborating, supporting uh, role, the city, with Radio KUCI. What were you, what did you have in mind? <laughs> That's a first. I did, Claudia, and uh, it's good of you to remember that. Well, I see uh, KUCI as a value add to our city, and I think you're doing a tremendous job. Oh, well, thanks. Uh, I would like to see uh, you get some more uh, wattage, uh, a little bit more funding to increase your operation and get a better reach and uh, maybe expand your broadcast shows. So that would be something I'd like to look into. Again, it's providing uh, a valuable forum for the city. Well, I know we're going to let the uh, Irvine City TV, or there's a, a billboard um, on ICTV, and they avail nonprofits up to five weeks, I think, uh, total over the whole year. And we're going to make sure we get our fund drive up and running on that portion there. But uh, I, I want you to remember when we talked about that, Evan Chimmers, uh, when, uh, you're, yeah. when and if you're serving on the council, that there is this public resource available to uh, anybody in Irvine and then and beyond listening that. So for those who've joined us, we're just about drawing it all the way down here with my second guest here on Ask a Leader, Evan Chemmers, running as a city council candidate for the city of Irvine. So how, Evan, can, well, first, how can they follow your campaign? And then are you going to be attending the student union uh, meeting on Thursday from 12 to 1.30 this week at the Crystal Cove Auditorium? Uh, yeah, if your listeners want to follow my uh, campaign, they can go to evan4irvine.org, and that's F-O-R. And I encourage them to sign up as a volunteer and walk precincts for me and put up signs. And 
Um, I would be remiss if I didn't say I'm the only candidate who's not taking funds from developers, either directly or indirectly, or from their lobbyists as well. So uh, if any of your listeners want to donate to my campaign, if they agree with my ideas, I'd greatly appreciate that. And, yes, I will be at the UCI Candidate Forum on Thursday, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Okay. And I, I gave um, uh, Melissa Fox a chance to uh, bring up what would she wanted to make sure is covered at the forum. Evan Chemers, what would you like to make sure is raised in that forum when you're there with your other well, with the opponents? I'd like the candidates to be asked, what went wrong at the Great Park uh, for starters, and what they do differently, and why the candidates haven't even bothered to make a proactive effort to install a signal synchronization system when it makes perfect sense in the, our city of innovation. Okay. So I have two questions. And? Oh, that, which well, is what went wrong at the Great right, Park. And the and, other, right. Got it. Right, for the signal synchronization. Because those are one of the top three concerns as I'm going door to door. Traffic, high density, the great parts. Well, Evan Chemers, you've been very good. I know all of you are spending every uh, waking moment wedging the campaign into your workaday world. So I want to I want to thank you. Like I I uh, try to thank all candidates for the public service of running for public office. And I well, want to thank Claudia, you. I have another hour that I can spend with you. Uh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> the uh, inestimable George Rosales has a music show that starts uh, at the top of the hour. So uh, if he were to yield that hour, that would be his. But I think his listeners are counting on some some of his. Uh, flair and fair so um i but i thank you evan chemmers for being on the nasca leader today thanks for coming it's my it's my pleasure i thank you for the uh invitation and the opportunity to present my ideas to your listeners okay thanks a lot all the best and see you on thursday well folks that's about almost a wrap the announcements are the follows. I'm going to remind you about the candidate forum for our uh, city council candidates. To hear them and see, as I said, seeing them does a whole lot too. That is going to be at this Thursday from 12 to 1.30 at the Crystal Cove Auditorium. It's presented by UCI 60 by 16 crew. You can follow them on Twitter, UCI 60 by 16. And this is going to be presented by Parshan Kosravi Karmani. He's the organizing director at the Office of the Executive Vice President at ASUCI, along with UCI and the associated student bodies of the campus. So also the offices of the, uh, the Executive Vice President. I also want to make sure anteaters, all of you anteaters, you're on board with a brand new contest that KCUI is Yes, is running uh, in advance of our fund drive. We're soliciting your submissions of a script that promotes our fund drive. We're already getting a few submissions. Thank you, folks. You know who you are. 30 to 60 seconds of your creativity could make you famous. The folks with the three top submissions selected, as judged by our production department, will win the opportunity to have their own voices used in the promo that we produce at the station. We'll even throw in some cute... KUCI swag, which is pretty cool stuff. Eligible participants include Anteater students, staff, faculty, and yes, even you, Chancellor Gilman, are in uh, on this one if you'd like. The deadline for the contest submissions is this Friday, October 17. All the details for the contest and the upcoming fund drive are on our website. 
So as I bring this edition of Ask a Leader to a close, next week we'll hear from Jeff Lalloway, seek an additional term on the Irvine City Council. And we'll also hear from Brent Unick, Assistant Vice Chancellor of Enrollment Services. And that is right. And we're stepping away from the campaign coverage just to give people that are in the thick of the uh, university application process to a bit about available funding. So, And then the League of Women Voters will also be on, giving us a start on some of the ballot measures, and we'll pick up where we leave off in the following week. Thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, all.